0: from where I'm sitting, uh, if this works, it will be the first time in like two years, I think. Uh, so, and we should all say thank you to Jessica on the way out today for being flexible enough to adjust in response to me coming up with a crazy idea that, uh, that has upended her efforts and her pattern, her decades-long pattern. Uh, and so let's pray in preparation for the message, and uh, we will go to God in uh, and hear the word uh, this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray, that, uh, I pray that you would be with us, uh, Lord. I pray that you would um, help us to, to be in your presence today um, as, I, as I unpack the word. I pray that you would, would draw us close. I pray that you would inspire us to know you more, to, to go to you in prayer, to, to um, rely on you for everything, Lord, that we would um, just turn to you in everything that we do um, Father God, I, I pray that you would keep me out of the way of uh of what you're trying to to um speak to the lives of the folks who are here today. I pray that you would help me to um not speak from my own heart, but from the scriptures. Uh I pray that you would uh just just be with the folks who are here today, help them to hear from you, help them to know you more. I pray, Lord, that if there are places where uh there are rocks in the field um that that threatened to to choke out the the seeds that are planted lord god that you would um just pick the rocks out um that you would uh prepare good soil that you would till and break broke you know hard hearts and and lord god that we would know you more just by hearing the word this morning in jesus name amen i uh I, I always appreciate my kids when they, because uh, we've done, all right, so in the last few years, uh, we've done lessons in various things, and um, um, Titus and, and Abby and, and, you know, have both uh, done this. They will uh, take two lessons and assume they know stuff. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I, Abby would say, well, I know karate, and it's like, well, you did like four lessons. Go, Go sit with mom. Go, go. One. Um, but the fact of the matter is, like you know, it, it it like taking lessons to learn piano. The the half a dozen or a dozen piano lessons that that my guys managed to do is not sufficient to learn piano. In the same way as like I ate a salad last night for dinner. No applaud. <laughs> <laughs> I ate a salad, and I do not look like Arnold Schwarzenegger this morning. I feel like I was cheated. Uh, well, I don't look more like him. Um, I mean, young one, not old one. Like, old one. <laughs> um, but like, there are certain things in our lives that, you know, we, we incorporate them into ourselves and we bring them into ourselves through training and repetition and lifestyle. Through becoming something different by the process of kind of grinding forward. In the same way that like, uh, if, if I had, uh, grain, y'all are familiar with grain, it comes out of the combine in little bits. But you can't bake bread with that until it's been ground. And then after that, it's got to be mixed and you got to do all kinds of other stuff with it. And like it's a process of cleaning and and everything in order to bring us from one place to the other. Um, You know, I I can't learn piano in one afternoon. Uh, I can't learn karate in one afternoon or by watching one Jackie Chan movie. I can't um, become a new man uh, by eating one salad. I can't do it right. I can't read one book and be an expert. Uh, Although, I, uh, (laughs) one person got the joke. So thank you very much, Rebecca. Um, Today we are going to be looking at prayer. And actually, this is sort of a dovetail off of the previous section. And it's also something that's been on my heart. I talked about this in Bible study on Monday. Um, Last, uh, golly, last spring, uh, we we had a, 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 a bit of a train wreck. And it was, uh, it was one of the hardest and best times I've had here because people, myself included, um, I watched people pray at a level that, like, I've never seen before. And I, it, it, like, changed so much when people were praying constantly, when they were gathering to pray, and when they were, you know, and that is, that is a huge deal. Um, if you look at the history of, uh, of the church, Major movements, major major changes, major events have always happened in response to prayer. Lots and lots of prayer. Maybe not a lot of people praying. Maybe it's a handful of people praying. But prayer is what moves God to act. And for us as believers, prayer is roughly the equivalent of breathing. Got it? I, I tried to learn to swim well. As it turns out, I could not. Uh, I, I uh, despite the one summer I spent going to the pool three times a week to, to swim laps, you know a few years ago, I am not an Olympian yet. And I didn't look like an Olympic swimmer by the time I was done. It was a total rip-off um, <laughs> But the thing that always got me about swimming, it was not the physical movements. It was not getting, you know, I never quite got the motions right. Because if you get them just right, you sort of cut through the water. It was breathing. I could not make myself breathe at the right pace and in the right depth. And like I would start to hyperventilate or I would under breathe or I would over breathe. And it would mess me up. And it like just became a thing that I could never get over. And so like because I couldn't breathe, I couldn't swim well. And as a rule, if you can't breathe, swimming is over. Right? We all understand this? Okay. We're going to be diving into Ephesians 6 today. Uh, We are going to do one verse. One verse. We will have to overview the rest. uh, But we will try to do one verse. There's a lot of cutting room floor stuff here. Um, I have been trying for several years now to discipline myself into... Uh, short sermons, and I am just not good at it. And so uh, this is me continuing to try, but I'm not apologizing. Um, Because I think if I'm going to spend a little extra time talking to you about Jesus, that's not something to ever be sorry for. Right? Um, Our background here, we were doing the temptation. We did the three temptations in a series of sermons, right? And in the midst of these temptations, so Jesus has been baptized, he's gone out into the wilderness, we talked about Israel, we talked about Deuteronomy, we talked about all this other stuff, and we talked about all of these different temptations. Now they parallel different temptations that um, that Israel faced and different people in history faced, like uh, Adam and whatnot. And so like we dug into that stuff, and we looked at how Jesus responded. And in every instance, Jesus quotes Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is a covenant renewal book. He specifically quotes the first sermon in Deuteronomy. And the two sections that he quotes are chapter 6 and chapter 8, which are convicting and powerful. And um, the reason I think he quoted them is because, like, what we know is that Israel went to the desert to be like they were tested. They were left hungry. And God said, well, if you're hungry, let's see what you do. And what did they do? They whined. Right, because whining is is like the national pastime for most of the human race, Um, and they sinned and they rebelled and everything else. And Jesus did the opposite. And when Jesus did the opposite, he quoted the scriptures, right? And I think, I believe, he's fasted for 40 days. And I, I'm telling you, fasting is not just not eating. It is not eating and praying. It is taking the time you would normally eat and praying during that time. And, like, um, I, is it over the hedge? You know, where, like, for our culture, fasting is unheard of, right? We don't fast. And, in fact, over the hedge, like, has this great spot where they say, well, you know, these people, they worship food. They, you know, they gather around the table and they pray to their food. And they, you know, they have people deliver them food. And then they exercise so they can eat more. And they can, you know, and it's ridiculous. But, like, if we took that time away from this thing that we... Worship. Like we talk about, the church talks about all kinds of sin. For some reason we can't do gluttony. No idea why we don't talk about gluttony. Huh. Anyway, um, Jesus isn't eating. He is praying. Um, anytime I fasted for a long time, and I'm not saying I'm holy or good. I fasted because I'm horrible. Uh, really, really horrible. Trust me. Um, when my stomach would rumble, it would remind me. It was like a little reminder, right? Pray. Take a moment to pray. Take a moment to pray. And I had different things I would pray whenever my stomach would rumble, right? Um, and and so instead of complaining at those times, I would pray. Um, and so in Deuteronomy... Um, like Paul, uh, Jesus is there. He's fasting. He's praying, and he's praying, I think, over this book specifically. And we have a couple of spots that he quotes from. I'm going to just read a little bit here. Listen, O Israel. This is chapter six. The Lord your, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. And you hear that again, in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and lie down when you get or when you lie down and when you get up, which is why they would pray that first prayer when they went to bed and when they got up in the morning, by the way. Uh, repeat them to your child when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. Um, that is six, and there's a little further down before Jesus actually quotes the line. Uh, but we're going to read a little bit of eight as well. I'm going to jump around. I'm sorry. Uh, this is eight in Deuteronomy. You don't bother trying to follow, follow me. I will do my best. This first three to start off with. He humbled you by giving you by letting you go hungry. Um, then he gave you manna to eat when or which you and your ancestors did not know, which you might learn or that you might learn. That man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now, real quick, one of the problems with fasting, one of the problems with fasting is you think about food all the time. And eventually, like part of the point of this, like uh, I think it's Dallas Willard talks about the idea that fasting is crucifying your flesh and relying on God instead. It's going to God and saying, God, I need you. I rely on you. I need this more than I need food. I will step away from the table in order to be close to you. Husbands and wives, real quick, any of y'all ever sit in bed and notice that your spouse is staring at the phone more than they're talking to you? No. <laughs> <laughs> and Or like yeah, try to have a conversation with your teenager and the teenager is staring at... Their phone, and they don't look up, and you're like, holy mess, look up at me. Or you go into a restaurant, and everybody's staring at their phones, and nobody's talking to each other. Or you go to a concert, and people are filming instead of watching. It's crazy, right? Because, um, the phone is more important than anything else. That's it. It is. It is. Um, fasting is the equivalent of, I'm gonna put my phone down and look at you, Jesus. I love you more than I love food. We love food. I love food. Uh, going to jump ahead to 11. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commands and ordinances and statutes that I'm giving you today. When you eat and are full and have built houses to live in. And he goes on. He talks about all of this stuff that they're going to do in the promised land. That's going to be awesome. And he's like, remember, remember, remember. God gave you this stuff. And the wealth you have is a gift from God. You did not do this yourself. Remember, God gave it to you. Don't forget. Um, He fed you in the wilderness with manna and with your ancestors had not known in order to humble and test you so that in the end he might cause you to prosper. You may say to yourself, my power and my ability have gained this wealth for me. But remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth. In order to confirm his covenant, he swore to your ancestors as it is today. For you ever, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and bow and worship to them, I testify against you today. And And you will certainly perish like the nations the Lord is about to destroy before you. You will perish if you do not obey the Lord your God. Now, why did I read all that? Because one instance is in hardship, right? In hardship, pray. The other is in comfort, pray, which is the problem, right? Like there's a great uh, prayer, Lord, give me, you know, Lord, like I, I, I want to say it's John Wesley. You know, provide for my needs, but don't give me so much that I become comfortable and I forget about you. Because wealth has a tendency to make us forget. God gave it to us, right? It has a tendency like comfort, health, um, peace, we forget God in those moments. Um, And so there's a balance there. And I think as Jesus is reflecting on this stuff, he's in the desert. He's like, this is who I am. I belong to God. I'm going to tie this on my forehead. I'm going to tie it to my hand. I'm going to put it in my heart. I'm going to talk to God about it over and over again. I'm going to pray. I'm going to go back to him over and over and over again. And then when he's tempted, the first thing the devil tempts him with is, if you are really the son of God, are you really this guy God says you are? Are you really this? Are you really that? And because he's been reading this stuff, he's rooted in this identity that he has in Christ. Or not in Christ, in the Father because he is Christ he can't be in Christ he is Christ anyway um and so he's resisting temptations by going back and saying i am in Christ, i am the son i belong to god this is who i am this is my identity that's what the israelites were supposed to do and they didn't that's what we're supposed to do now we're going to be in ephesians um so if you want to open to ephesians uh i will jump in and out there um, we're going to be in Ephesians specifically six. and I'm going to give you a short rundown. Um, four and five are all about how we're supposed to live since we have new life in Christ. Meaning if you are alive in Christ, if you are the new person, you have to be a different person, right? It's not eat the one salad. It's not take the one piano lesson. It is not that stuff. I did it once I'm done, right? I went to church once. I, one of my favorite things, uh, that I, I hear from folks. Well, I did. Way back when, when I worked at the home, you'd talk to these clients, they would say, oh, I've read the Bible. Really? Like the whole thing or just like the cover? And usually I read the Bible means I read the Bible once. One time I sat down and read the Bible and it didn't make any sense to me, so I didn't read it again. Um, But the fact of the matter is that it's a little like salad. Prayer is like salad. You got to read it and read it and read it and read it. And it changes you by consuming it. Christ changes you instantly, but not yet. You change and become holy as time goes on. So four and five are all about becoming holy. They're about spiritual gifts. They're about changes that happen within us, everything else. And then we get to chapter six. And chapter six is about how to overcome the difficulties because there's difficulty that comes with learning to be a new person. You learn to play piano. There's this awful thing called practice practice is the worst right for us we my kids took karate lessons for a little while i took them with them and you know what happened lockdowns suddenly we couldn't go and that was a thing that got in our way for us as believers there are things that will get in our way we will be trucking along just fine and the wheels will fall off the vehicle you'll be like out there doing the work and suddenly the combine has a breakdown every day and you're like Lord, why is this breaking down? Well, I'm stuck for now, and I have to stop. In the same way, our Christian life oftentimes will face potential breakdowns, potential, like, pitfalls. And we're going to pick up here in 10, which is where, Jesus, like, Paul starts telling us what is involved in here, in, in, like, living this new life. How do we accomplish this? So, verse 10, chapter 6, verse 10 of Ephesians. Finally, Be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. Now, we're going to pause here. Um, in Ephesus, this is not a church that's dealing with, like, uh, all kinds of problems. Jesus, uh, Paul is just instructing them. Jim, many cricket man names. Um, Paul is just instructing them how to follow Jesus better. And so this warfare metaphor is in a time of peace. It is really easy to talk about war when there's a war going on. You know how I know? There's a no war going on for us for the last 30 years, right? Like one or the other or this one or that one. Like it's constant. And it's easy to talk about that stuff. Um, it's easy to focus on it. These guys are in a time of peace. and Jesus, Paul, golly, I keep doing that. Paul is telling them, listen, be strengthened in the Lord, by the Lord and by his vast strength. Finally, be strengthened. So now our temptation is going to be to look and say, I can do this or I did this. Right? Um, our temptation is going to be to say, I found, like, the magic formula, and I, uh, I'm i the best parent ever. I'm the best husband ever. I'm the best this. I'm the best that. I, You know, we can look and you ever watch Arnold Schwarzenegger? Since he's come up several times, I brought him up. Um, i I find him interesting. I find him entertaining. I find qualities about him admirable. But the guy, like, you watch his young interviews, and he's, like, 20 years old, and he's, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and he talks about who more than anyone else? himself and actually if you look at him it's really easy to believe that arnold schwarzenegger loves arnold schwarzenegger more than anyone else in the world and it's easy for us to be that way because like the culture tells us who's the most important person you are right you know you need to be happy you need to be comfortable you need to be this you need to be that if the wait at mcdonald's is two minutes longer than it should have like then you are owed something or you should have gone to chick-fil-a because it's your fault and no it's mcdonald's fault um Like, all of these things that are in here, like we we looked at Deuteronomy, and Deuteronomy's saying, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself, and I'm getting lost. i got to try and reel it in here and tighten up a little bit. Um, We looked at Deuteronomy, and it said, listen, guys, when you are there and when you're comfortable, and when you're in the field and you're hungry, remember, God is about to feed you, or it was God that gave it to you. And so when he says the strength, like when he talks about strength, all of the strength that we have to succeed in our spiritual life, comes from christ period that is it and so you get up in the morning and like uh i remember probably six years ago seven years ago we had rain every day for like three months and you went out and the wheat was like you know how montana wheat is like really short and pygmy but it wasn't it was like eight feet tall and people were pulling like 40 bushels of, you know an acre who sent the rain god sent the rain who, you know, who made the plants grow? God made the plants grow. And like, as wonderful a blessing as it was, like, the fact of the matter is, God gave it. God can take it. When it's dry, when everything else, like when it's, you're thinking, oh my gosh, how are we gonna make it this year? God is the one who makes it for you, period. That is it. And part of what Paul is about to dr- dig into here is this idea that we need to go back to the reminders, the armor of God, which we're gonna talk about that just next. Um, we need to go back to those armor of God things, and we need to remember that those armor of God things are like, they protect us from these lies, from the external stuff. Because who we are inside, who our identity is in Christ, is what makes. So- oh yeah, that annoyed me earlier and I didn't fix it, thank you. Um, who we are in Christ changes, or is the thing that matters. Alright, take a quick breath. Because I'm getting ahead of myself and I'm getting bogged down and I'm excited, actually, because I find this text very exciting. So, we're going to go to 13. Uh, we're going to go through 17 here in Ephesians. Ephesians. Uh, for this reason take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist the devil the resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand stand therefore with the tr- with, with truth like a belt around your waist righteousness like armor on your chest and your feet sandaled with a readiness for the gospel of peace in every situation take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, and which is the word of God. Now, I'm not doing a sermon on this. We're going to do these quick. Here is the idea we're going to dig into, though. These things... Actually, I should go back one. Um, God's truth, his righteousness, this readiness that we receive... Um, faith like the word of god that is the sword these are all things that belong to god i don't have righteousness on my own if i think i'm good and righteous on my own i'm lying to myself i am righteous because christ's righteousness has been imputed on me because he died for my sins i believe in him and i am forgiven and made right and put in right relationship with god that is where the righteousness like comes from Right? The helmet of salvation. Well, salvation is a thing that God has given me. It's to protect my mind and like my... My righteousness protects my heart and all of this. These are all things that come from God. They are not things that come on my own. They are not things that I can earn or work for. I can't go to the gym every day and become like a spiritual mighty man or mighty mouse or whatever. I can't do those things. They are gifts from God. They are not self-sufficient things, which is hard for us in America. You know why? We do everything ourselves, right? like oh i earned this oh i'm great you know and like a lot of times you talk to believers and believers will um like like it's easy to brag about the things or to humble brag about the things that we have received from god i i am not righteous not on my own i am not um i'm not holy on my own i'm not eloquent on my own i'm not these things the only thing i do well is be in christ and it's not even that that i do well god the holy spirit brought me there and keeps me there like i am not doing anything well they all come from god if we look at the desert temptation and we look at jesus we can see this contrast that comes about as a result of this armor of god this like his righteousness protects him his faith that god is going to be like true when he said hey bow before me and i'll give you everything he's like Number one, I'm not bowing before you. Number two, I'm already promised all the nations. That faith extinguishes the accusation. It extinguishes that thing that he comes at him with. Um, the belt of truth, right? Like truth is God's truth. Meaning, like, so when he says, if you are really the son of God, well, I know I'm the son of God. That's God's truth. This is a gift I have received. Um, it is a truth. So all of this stuff comes to me via um, the Holy Spirit, via like, like a gift from God. I don't earn it. I am not great on my own. I am a conduit of God's grace. Um, the other thing I want to touch on real quick is all of these things are defensive. Even the sword to some degree is defensive because a shield is nice, but you use a sword to parry, right? And to knock away swipes and everything else. Like the sword has a major defensive element. For the most part, these are things that keep you alive, right? And it's kind of weird. Most of the kit that soldiers brought into the field are things that would just keep them alive. And so like, like for us, um, I'm going to use my, I got a laser pointer as a gift the other day. I'm so happy about that. Uh, Lita gave it to me and I, have been trying to come up with reasons to use it. Um, the, the blessed breastplate of righteousness, protecting my heart, protecting who I am. Like with Christ, he points to this with the israelites they worried about their stomach and what they wanted they worried about like all of these things first it was never about faith it was never about the sword of the spirit i don't even really need this illustration because i'm about to move on but i just wanted to sorry that was a diversion um 18 one verse this is it guys pray at all times in the spirit Have you ever noticed, how many of y'all have heard sermons or seen VeggieTales episodes on the armor? They didn't do a VeggieTale episode on the armor of God. But it is a felt board favorite. The armor of God. Look at all of these things. And I have never once heard verse 18 as the primary point of those sermons. Or as the primary point of the felt board talk. But verse 18 is the point. Why? Because pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer And request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Where's the armor come from? Praying. Where does my identity in Christ come from? Comes from Christ. How do I know it? I pray. How do I fuel it? I pray. Prayer is piano lessons. Got it? Prayer and like even reading the scriptures, as we read the scriptures, there's a difference between reading the scriptures like it's a novel and reading the scriptures and praying and meditating and consuming them and coming back to them over and over again and reflecting on them and bringing them into the innermost self, like making them a part of you um, to the point that if we're going to go back to Deuteronomy, you sit around the table at night and have a conversation about it. What do we talk about around the table? Well, we talk about farming, I assume. Right? Why do farmers talk about farming? It's who they are. Why are we called to talk about the scriptures around our table? Why are we called to teach our children that? Why are we called to, um, like hang it on our door so we see it on the way out? And when we come in, why are we called to put it on our forehead and tie it to our hand? Because that's who we are. Because prayer at all times, now, it's not a part of the armor of the God. It is the means by which we receive the armor of God and the means by which we learn to wear it properly. And it is the reminder that it is there. I had a roommate in college. I did not play football. I know it's hard to believe, as despite the fact that I lettered in high school. I did not play any sports. Um, but I had a roommate in college who was like an athlete. He was very handsome. He was like perfect. And, you know, he's, he's an awesome guy. But he, he said the first time he put on pads at a football practice, he was shocked. Because he got knocked over and he didn't feel it. He's like, oh my gosh, nothing hurts. Until you're 50. Anyway, um, we can forget that the pads are there. We can forget that the armor is there. We can forget that the truth is there. We can forget we're holding a shield. And that when we're accused by Satan, we can hold up the shield and say, hey, hey. I have faith. I'm in Christ. This stuff isn't going to happen. Like, and how do we remember those things? We go and we pray. We pray over and over and over and over again. We come back to Christ. We talk with Him. We engage with Him. We fill ourselves with Him. Um, it is not an art, it is not an article of armor. It's how we receive it. It's how we remember. It's how we learn to use it properly. Um, in these verses, so real quick, the word all is used twice. That is not like a coincidence, all meaning everything, right? I looked this up thinking maybe there'll be a funny Greek thing behind it. Nope, all means everything. Got it? And so we pray in all occasions. What do you mean? Like Christmas and Easter, Sunday morning? No, pray when you wake up in the morning. Pray when you eat your meal. Pray when you walk out the door. You pray when you have a conversation with your kids. You pray when you, you know, everything why? Because if I am eating my meal and I forget that I am eating my meal as a son of God, as a child of the king, as adopted into Christ, I might not eat it in a way that is glorifying to God. And whether you're eating or you're drinking, do it all for the glory of God. Y'all didn't yell that. Are we sleeping yet? I'm not even long. Um, and so all, on all occasions, why do we pray all the time? Because we have to remember Who we are. We have to remember our identity. We have to remind ourselves. For us, it is prayer at all occasions. For the ancient Jews, it was, sit down and eat a meal. What are we going to have? Well, we're not going to have shellfish. Why aren't we having shellfish? Because it's a fish that's also a spider. Right? It's not a fish. It's not a spider. You could eat spiders. You could eat fish. could not eat shellfish. Why? Because it's in the middle. Well, why would that be a rule? Because I am Jewish. I am not a Gentile, I'm not a pagan, I belong to God. I am not in the middle, both gods and a pagan, I belong to God. Those laws, you get dressed in the morning, we are to get dressed and remind ourselves, I belong to Christ, I am a person who belongs to Christ, everything I am is about Christ. And some of this is mindless stuff, we're going to get to that in a second. But as we remind ourselves, we remind ourselves, I am not of the world, and so... Like my daughter, I intend to tell her 10 million times, you dress like somebody who is a child of the king of the universe. You do. You eat like somebody who has received this food as a gift from God. You don't snarf it down. You enjoy it. You celebrate it. You take it in the appropriate quantity and you say thank you. Eating can be an act of worship. Everything can be an act of worship because we can pray as we live. We can live in harmony with who God is and we can bring Him glory with how we live. But that involves praying on all occasions. We don't have physical, constant law reminders. We have prayer. And you know what? I think that's better. And I'll tell you why. Because I would rather have a relationship with my wife than rules I have to follow in marriage. A hundred times over. I don't need to be told not to smack my wife around. I don't need to. Number one, I'm afraid. Number two, number two, I love my wife. I don't need to be reminded to pray. Why? Love God. I don't need to, I'm guessing when TJ sits down to play, he doesn't have to sit down and think, all right, wait a minute, where are the keys? Where do I put my hands? Which keys? Is it my car key? No, no, the piano keys. What are the black ones for? You have to do that. Why? Because he's done it 10 million times. Right? He knows it. It is his identity. It is who he is. When we pray, it ingrains it into us. The other time it's used, uh, in the text in verse 18 there, um, pray at all times and the other, um, with every prayer and request. Meaning, if we have an issue, what do we do with it? bring it to God. Why? Because if we rely on God for everything, then God is the source of our strength. He is the source of our identity. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is, um, if I work really hard and I, you know, make a million dollars and I say, look at how awesome I am. I'm doing that on my own and I'm weaker on my own. If I do something you know, even if it's, even if I'm poor, but I'm doing it to the glory of God, and I'm doing it in God's will, I'm strong. You will never overcome me if I am in God's will. Why? Because God is stronger than anything else. You might kill me, but even then you'll just make me more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Alright, um, really not, not a one. She got it. One person, my stupid joke. Um, and so if I have a need, I take it to God. There's actually something behind this that's really powerful. In 2 Corinthians 12, I think, uh, in 2 Corinthians 12, we see where Paul is writing. And he says, hey, I had this thorn in my side. It was in my flesh. It was awful. It was painful. And I begged God to take it away from me. And God said, you know what? My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made complete in your weakness. Um, and Paul says, well, wait a minute. If I'm weak and I have to rely on God more, then I'm even stronger because God's doing the heavy lifting. So it's better to be weak. It's better to need God's help. It's better to be in this position than anywhere else. But that's not a natural thing for us. We have to pray and practice and read the word and go back to that truth. We have to bring these things to God over and over and over again because that's how we learn to depend on him above all else. Um, It's a little like swimming and breathing. If I did it long enough, eventually I would learn the pattern. Right? But praying is hard. And it's kind of boring. It just is. Praying is easy to forget. It is a lot of things. And because of that, we don't pray. The other thing he says here is pray in the Spirit. (sighs) This is a text that is abused all the time. This is not about speaking in tongues, it's not about any of that other stuff, it's not about having mystical visions or anything else, it is about praying in harmony with the Spirit, where the Spirit is directing us, He is present with us, He is interceding between us and God. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is, if I am praying for a Lamborghini every day, and God isn't giving me one, a pastoral Lamborghini, that would be terrible in Big Sandy, never mind, I don't want that. Um, But if I pray for a Lamborghini every day and God doesn't give it to me, I'm not really praying in the spirit. I'm praying in my flesh. If I, instead of praying for the salvation of a brother who is stumbling, I pray for them to be destroyed or I just gossip about them. Guess what? I'm not doing praying in the spirit is recognizing that Christ died for that person. And I need to go to God because only God can save their heart. This is a thing that I struggle with. I suspect a lot of pastors struggle with. I think I could just be clever enough in the sermon and I'll convince people. Nope. The Holy Spirit does that because he does the heavy lifting. To pray in the Spirit is to figure out what the Spirit desires of me and to move in that. Well, how do I do that? Practice reading the word it's consuming it it's tying it to your forehead it's tattooing it on your heart Um, not the sinful kind of tattoo but this kind Um, it is bringing it into yourself so that you are constantly focusing on it the way that farmers focus on farming sit around the table what are we going to talk about rain yeah sure we'll talk about rain but we'll also talk about how god provides rain for the wicked and the righteous We'll talk about... That was a Jesus juke. We'll talk about these things because they are important. We make them important and we talk about them. What do we talk about at my dinner table? We talk about things that are important to us. talk about how our day was. We talk about our sports. We talk about Minecraft for hours. It's insane. Um... Talking about this is a thing we do because this is who we are. This is what we care about. This is what we are designed to be. And that is how you learn to pray in the Spirit. You make it a part of you and you move in Him. Um, So the other half of what's in this text that attaches to this other stuff, right? Because there is... Um, there's a twofold here, right? So prayer is how we know we have the armor. It's how we learn to wear it. It's how we learn that this is who we are. We learn our identity. We learn our salvation. We make it a part of ourselves. We operate in this way and it becomes like piano practice. But beyond that, we're given instructions that are very militaristic. Stay alert. How do you stay alert? You don't fall asleep. Y'all ever drive a long way? I mean, I know there's a handful of guys in here who drive combines. And I know, uh, like Jim has told me, every once in a while he'll fall asleep, and the alarm to wake him up on the edge of the field is the neighbor's fence. Uh, <laughs> what does that mean? It means you stop being alert, right? I am a terrible driver because I'm not very alert. I have trouble paying attention for a long periods of time. I've discovered if I eat sunflower seeds, and as long as I don't like spill them, because then I'm distracted, like I have to find things that keep me alert, and I do better. In prayer, in our walk with Christ, we have to stay alert. Meaning, I step into a situation where I get frustrated or I get angry, and what do I do? Well, I can react, or I can take a breath and say, God, be with me. God, I'm going to have to talk to this person. Help me out here. God, I am about to eat, and I really don't want to eat the whole thing. Help me eat in a way that glorifies you. God, I have to walk into this situation and I know I'm going to have to be a witness for you. I know people are going to attack you. How do I respond? What do I do? I pray. The problem is that it's easy to fall asleep, especially in a crisis. I remember, I think about this uh, several times a week. I, there was a period of time back when I was really, my life was getting out of control and I, I said, I need to fix this. And I started getting up early and I would pray and read the scripture every day and things started to level. And I remember I'd been doing that for weeks, and one morning my wife called me from her office, and she was like, Eric, turn the TV on right now. I went and turned the TV on, and the Twin Towers were on fire. Like, oh, my gosh. I was terrified. I stopped praying and I went to work. And we, I talked to the pastor. We opened the doors. We let people come in. People came in and prayed. You know what I didn't do? I didn't pray. You know what I didn't do the morning the next day? I didn't pray. Why? Because I was panicked. I was afraid because I was wondering what's going to happen next. I was trying to figure out what to do, and what I wasn't doing was praying. Because it is oftentimes the case that when I become extra alert to the world, I become less alert to what's happening outside of this world. I forget the first part, right? That our fight is not against Al-Qaeda. Our fight is not against the government. Our fight is not against this guy or that guy or the other guy. Our fight is against the powers of the air. Satan, against evil in this world. The people who are fighting against us in this world are people who need Christ. And in the Spirit, I pray for them. And I witness to them as they persecute me or as they hate me. I try to love them like Christ loves them even when I don't want to. The second thing there is persevere. If you are a soldier who does not persevere in the middle of a 10-mile march, you stop and say, all right, that's it, I'm done. Guess what? You're a crappy soldier. i probably shouldn't say words like that. If I said that, I didn't mean to offend you. I'm sorry. Um, persevere means continue. It means that we pray for someone, and when they do not pick up, they do not respond, or God doesn't act, we keep praying. We act like the persistent widow um, who asks the wicked judge over and over again, and eventually the judge is like, all right, shut up. I'll give you what you want if you leave me alone. And the point is, if we ask God over and over again, he's not a wicked judge. He's a righteous judge. Keep asking. Um, Finally, we pray for the church and as the church. What does that mean? Um, that is actually in the text, and I should not have closed that so quickly. I wanted to read it because I didn't catch it initially. That was a, I got it from someone else. Um, we, as the body, are supposed to pray together. We're supposed to go to God together as saints, as believers and pray in unison and there are a lot of examples of this you can read where Peter's in jail what do they do they gather in someone's house and they pray all night as a group Um, the uh, haystack revival if you read about it is a really cool story but it is about um, I believe it's what caused the second great awakening it was the start for the second great awakening there's a group of guys who were afraid to pray at their university because they people were so hostile. And so they would go out to a farm, and one day they hid in a haystack because of a storm, because surely that won't catch fire. Um, and they prayed, burrowed into this giant haystack, which seems really uncomfortable. But they prayed as a unit, and they kept praying as a unit in haystacks for some reason, and ultimately God acted and like set off a fire that changed the world. Um, let's see. With all perseverance... Uh, An intercession for all the saints, meaning we pray for each other and we pray with each other, I think is the idea here. Um, we go back to the unit, we pray. Sunday mornings at 9, we pray. Right? You have a problem, We put it on the prayer chain. You hear someone has a problem. I was talking to someone earlier today and they were talking about difficulty they were having. And I thought, oh, I should pray for this person right now. And I didn't. And I kind of feel bad about that. You know who you are. I'm sorry. Um, So how do we apply that? First off, prayer involves remembering that we rely on him, period. That means that when you need something, the first thing you need to do is pray. When you are depressed or questioning your calling or your direction, what do you do? You pray. You pray. When you feel like you cannot overcome sin in your life and that you are worthless, you pray and you remember, I am in Christ. I am a new creation. Protect my head. Protect my heart. Hold up my shield. We pray. Um, anything, everything. When we have something that is good, we pray and thank God. When you wake up in the morning and you roll over and you look at your wife and you say, wow, I am married to that woman. You pray. You pray. Thank you, God, for this. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my child. Thank you for my home. Thank you for the body of Christ around me. Thank you for Jesus. We say thank you, and we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Why? Because that's who we are. You do it when you wake up. You do it when you go to bed. You do it at meals. You do it here. You do it there. You do it everywhere, um, in a box, with a fox, all that stuff. So application wise, second thing I got for you is we need him and we turn to him like that reminds us who are. I'm sorry, that's supposed to be two separate points. But so we have to realize our need for him. We have to realize our dependence on him and we have to rely on him. I have beaten this illustration to death. I'm going to go back to it because I like it. Oh, of course, it failed at some point. Um, the. All right. So you guys are going to have to trust me. Um almost all the way through um so we need him and we turn to him we don't turn to our technology we don't turn to the big screen we don't turn to our phone because we're depressed or bored we turn to him first um when we are in turmoil we turn to him like we have to remember that my daughter used to play with the 10 gallon or the 5 gallon 50 how big are the water bottles in the kitchen? Five gallons. These five-gallon water bottles, she would play with them. She barely weighs more than a five-gallon water bottle. Now, when she was four, she really didn't. She would get bored and she'd play with them. Or she would just play with them, not bored, just play with them. And she would try to move them around. And you know what? My 35-pound daughter could not move a five-gallon water bottle, 50-pound water bottle, right, or 45 or whatever it is. What she would do is she would struggle with it and struggle with it and struggle with it. And then she'd come to me and say, Dad, move that. And then she would grab it, and I would grab it, and we would move it together. And it was amazing what my daughter could do when I was doing it with her. We need to recognize that we can do more in Christ. We can touch the hearts of our neighbor better praying for them and speaking to them than just speaking to them. We can be a witness to the world by praying and acting. We can obey by praying first It makes it better. It makes us like more capable. When I am weak, when I need him, I'm strong. The armor of God tends to make us think. We read that text and it's like, look at how tough I am. I can have armor. No, I can have Christ. I can wear Christ like a suit of armor and wield him like a sword, and he does the work. We also pray to remember who we are. Um, One of the things you'll see in the Scriptures Uh, is that people who pray oftentimes pray the scriptures back to God. You know why? Because it reminds us, it engages us with him. We are praying truth that is already present and we can go to him and say, God, this is who I am. I know I am a new creation. I can overcome this. I know I'm forgiven. And so this shame and guilt I'm feeling like I know it's not real. I know that I am without accusation. I know that I'm to love my neighbors and myself. We can pray and remember who we are, um, Prayer advances relationship. You want to screw up your marriage? You want to screw up your children? Don't talk to them. Stare at your phone a long time when your kids are around telling you about Minecraft. You know what will happen? They'll stop talking to you. You don't talk to your wife long enough? Guess what happens? i not going to make your marriage better. You don't talk to Jesus long enough? Guess what's going to happen? You're gonna slip further and further away, and you're going to fall asleep. We pray to advance our relationship. And finally, we pray for our needs because it is the mechanism by which we rely on God. Meaning, you say, oh, well, I need God for everything. Well, then you go ask. Right? That's in James. You do not receive because you do not ask. We're gonna talk about prayer for a few weeks. I'm gonna close us in prayer. Uh, I should have prayed to go short. Let' do that for the rest of the week. we'll see how it goes next week. Pray for a miracle. Um, Heavenly father i I say a lot in the morning. I speak a lot i I throw out a ton of words. I point to things over and over again lord god all i all I desire is that folks know you and hear you i I desire for folks to see the treasure that I find in your word. I pray that we would become a people who Every morning get up, turn to you and say, I I love the Lord you I love you, Lord. I love you more than anything with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I pray that we would be people who, when we're hungry, we pray. When we are hungry, we consume the bread that you've given us, the bread of life, we consume Christ. When we are full, we thank. Help us to remember and to come back to you over and over again in prayer. Lord God, I would pray that our church would become praying body, that we would come to you over and over again and in loud voices cry out to you and, and ask you to intercede. I pray, Lord God, there's so much brokenness I see in this community, in my, in my friends' lives, in, in the lives of people I love. I, I see so much brokenness all over the place. I see Satan like having his day. And I pray, Lord God, that we as the church, that, that I would rely on you in prayer constantly that I wouldn't look to my own strength but to yours to save hearts or to change hearts, to save lives. I pray, Lord God, that you would move in mighty ways in our hearts, that we would come to you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so in the coming weeks, we're going to do prayer. My challenge for you today...